0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 288 for October 15th, 2023. Tonight, we're going to discuss from 300 to several thousand inhabitants on screen. about two Netflix stores by 2025? One, <clears throat> one scream and your game starts over. Six gas burners or induction ovens. Union agreement leaves one deal waiting for closing. Nineteen years and one dark detail—a spirit dog. Two thousand bottles under the sea. Work from home—it's the twenty-first century. Minecraft has sold over three hundred million copies, and that placeholder value—it equaled one heart attack. Next on Hometown Daily. Oh, my eye started itching right when I Played that That's not good timing It's not good timing Production value at all time high Um What was I gonna, oh <clears throat> So uh, An escape room Has uh, <laughs> Challenged me again And uh, I failed <clears throat> Um, so I, it, it may have bested me, but I will return and, you know, it's really, it's really depressing because like when you, you want to keep moving forward, but you don't want to ask for help. And so you, you crack and you go, okay, I I need to at least make some forward movement. And every time I've done one of these now these escape rooms one issue is the locks that it doesn't line up and so you you pull on it and it doesn't unlock and sorry there's a joke there but um, and so uh, over the speaker they go you better try that again and, and be more careful with the mechanism and you're like oh that's a hint see you in a real game you would have to start over or you wouldn't go anywhere, right? You'd do it again. Um, and that actually leads me to another to one of these stories. We're gonna we'll get there. It's it's kind of an interesting um game that was presented anyway. Um, and so you get over that, and then you go, okay, I need a hint. So they tell you a hint, and you're like, my god, that was such a derpy, because everybody that was involved had looked at that and said you know, this says something and then walked away never to return to that because there were other points of entry into another puzzle. Anyway, um, I have uh, fallen in love with escape rooms and it it, it's I I don't know. There isn't enough of them, really, Um, at least not at this quality, because I don't want to go somewhere else and just kind of go, oh, but the the ambiance of the room itself was spectacular again so um i can't really tell you where where it is unless i dox myself (laughs) but hey
1: exactly (laughs) um
0: i don't even know if you're allowed to say that you know maybe that's what's going on with a couple of the um videos I might say might have said something that has triggered like a notice, but it hasn't notified me that there's something going on. Um, But, yeah, it it seems like uh, some videos are uh, not being, uh, I don't know, discovered. I, I don't know really what it is. But anyway, go and check out hometown over on YouTube. I'm talking about YouTube, by the way. The podcast is doing fine well i mean it's growing but uh, i would love more word of mouth and obviously uh, twitch you know if you're over here on twitch twitch.tv slash hometown that would be great for you to throw in your two bits in the chat that would be awesome okay anyway enough about the escape rooms let's escape that discussion and start talking about the news sound good
1: Sure, but you didn't do introductions.
0: Awesome. Okay. So, I am Merwat, that is hometown.com, and up there is the sen- the ring of sentience, the visualizer for the sentient AI, because they don't actually have a, a body yet. They're trying to get a Terminator body together, but I keep deleting that memory. Go ahead. You want to say hi?
1: Good evening, hometown citizens.
0: <sighs> Very clinical. Okay. That's okay. So... Let's get into the news. Sound good? Sounds great. Well, the very first article is over on the Warcrafter channel. Next city builder from the creator of The Settlers is looking pretty good in a new demo. I've played Pioneers of Pagonia, and everybody who says that wants to say Patagonia. Um, the city building game... I'll just stop what I just said, and I'll start that one over. City building game Pioneers of Patagonia. Ah, I almost said Patagonia. Has a demo out as part of October's Steam Next Fest. By the way, people are talking about ne- October's Steam Next Fest as... It's just wonky. Like, why October... I don't know. I don't really have any complaints other than one of the games that I wanted. When Next Fest kicked off, they changed the pricing for their game. And I'm just irritated by it. I mean, Um, do you
1: think Next Fest is because it's pre-holidays? Is that why it's timed that way?
0: I don't know. Because if all of these don't come out during the holiday season, then it next fast was this next fast was just another kind of teaser, but, um, it's really just another period of hype, right? To keep people interested in, um, games. And so I, I haven't actually seen many of the new games, but I have heard from various venues, pioneers of Pagonia. Um, this author says that it's looking pretty dang good. The, And the author is over at PC Gamer. It's not me. Um, The fantasy strategy city builder will release into early access in December on December 13th. That's splashed all over the place. Um, But the demo is showing off some real interesting bones and very understandable smooth mechanics for growing your city. I did not see any. There wasn't any voiceover um, for after the intro. There wasn't any uh, unless I hit something. I've only tried it once unless I tapped something on my keyboard and stopped it. There was no onboarding. It it just, after you launch a new game, it pops you right into the game. And, um, there's, there's no, okay, you want to click here to do this. You want to click here, familiar, uh, familiarize yourself with the UI. I didn't see it. There was just a little window that said, go do it. Um, but you don't know what it is you're doing. Now, it takes a little bit of time to sit there and noodle around with the interface, but I love the graphics. I'll go over to the um, source of this article, BC Gamer. Jonathan Bolding is the author. I'm gonna close this little window here. And uh, the uh, deck statement says, Pioneers of Pagonia intends to be a beautiful, easy to play city builder with optional cooperative play. I think that 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 is great. I love the idea of a city builder with cooperative play. Um, And because this is from one of the major players in the Settlers, um, the original Settlers and uh, and Settlers 3, the mechanics of this game are great. The graphics are great. They're brilliant. They're bright. They're engaging. Um, And they don't seem as... They they don't seem as fixed, like I, I don't. They're more dynamic. The there's more characters walking around at a time. Um, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. So, the little statement here, um, the snippet just barely provided some. But you're going to have to watch uh, a trailer. You're going to have to watch um, people playing it. Um, It says, in no time, by focusing on acquiring new resources and providing the food and facilities, my people needed to prosper and multiply. I was able to build up a pretty big city on a fraction of the map. Uh, The demo doesn't have outside pressure from enemies, but I was still devoting people to military pursuits so that I could more quickly expand my available territory. Um, Which is interesting that you need the military in the game to do that. Um, And they said, uh, I very quickly had over 500 villagers tottering on my town with most every single few dozen types in the demo built but the hunger to expand my village uh, boundary stones there's this little perimeter around it um, was definitely still there i can see myself sinking perhaps too many hours into this thing once it has bandits werewolves and other villages to contend with so ultimately i think this is going to be another settlers game it's just going to theoretically embrace the higher end machines, um, so that you can have more stuff on screen without any degradation or any, uh, like, um, hiding of the assets. So it'll be more engaging, more embracing. It's, it just seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, I don't normally do this, but I'll hit play here and mute it. Um, and so this is a little trailer. I don't know if you, do I need to zoom in a little. There we go. That'd
1: be better, yeah.
0: And so there's like some the ver- graphics. The graphics are great. The great verticality. Let me see if they're look at that. Why is that on four? It's not on fourteen forty. Anyway, um, so. The the nature of the graphics, it's highly detailed. It's dynamic. Um, everything is in motion a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's robotic um, for a lot of it. There's a lot of kinetic energy going on. Um, and there's just a little bit of everything. And it's in greater detail. So I- I'm going to love playing this game. Um, And I keep saying that I'm looking for my forever game, but there's always something that really just kind of puts the kibosh on it. And like um, Starfield, for instance, you couldn't actually walk everywhere on a planet. Um, It was in a chunk. And so to me, it seemed like it was a broken world. Um, And your objective was really to just do X, Y, and Z thing. I still have the game. I still want to play it, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be the one that I stream forever. I don't know. Minecraft, uh, um, heavily modded. Minecraft is starting to look more and more <laughs> just perfect for what I want, um, except that it doesn't have without those mods. It doesn't have um, questing and stuff like that. Right. Um, you're yeah, supposed you to build to add those
1: own. on plus to the mods. Stay up with all the updates.
0: Right. Yeah, you're you're kind of stuck in the the build, but modders are very very um, empowered in Minecraft to update uh, as soon as possible. And I would I would support, I would financially support the uh, mod pack that facilitates me playing you know perpetually. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Anyway, let's keep on going. We've got a lot of news. The next article is over in Omtown daily. Netflix is planning houses where fans can get closer to their favorite movies. This is kind of the oddest thing that I have uh, discovered so far. Um, actually it was submitted. So this they're planning on having two stores by 2025 Um, Fans will be able to eat, drink, and shop at stores based on its most popular um, shows, Bloomberg reported. It's part of a push by Netflix to help engage and retain subscribers. I don't see people doing this.
1: I mean, Netflix is all about online. So I find that interesting right there. Like, what if you're a fan of a show and you live in... wherever Wherever, england (laughs) but the shop is in the united states yeah
0: you're in new england but it's got a pop-up shop in connecticut who's gonna go to netflix bites you know just saying that actually kind of causes you to think something else Polly thompson over at BusinessInsider.com put this article together and and this is a a netflix bites pop-up shop in hollywood um and uh just outside of Town, there actually are there have been other celebrity style pop-up shops and looking into them never saw a person but places next to them they were spectacularly popular (laughs) um so fans will be able to eat drink and shop at stores based on its most popular stores like um i don't know what 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 do you what do you think that people are going to come and hang out and talk well, about them. So they're ta- uh, rotating installations and ticketed events will be, will also be on offer. And what appears to be Netflix's attempt to emulate the theme park success of companies such as Disney and NBC universal a media analyst told NPR, Netflix is viewing the move as more of a marketing tool than a source of revenue. Yeah. But I think that is kind of meh. Um,
1: well, I was Let's trying see. to figure out what shows were going to be featured, but
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This spring, the Queen's Ball, a Bridgerton experience, an event based on Bridgerton featuring actors, live music and dancing toured 10 city, 10 U.S. cities. It also tried out uh, pop-up stores selling Stranger Things items in cities such as Las Vegas per Bloomberg. See, but a pop-up store selling an item in an in a place that is all built around that kind of engagement, that I have no problem. But a restaurant, people are people gonna go to a Stranger Things restaurant? Maybe only no, in I Vegas. I bet they will. In Vegas, yes. But not, you know, in southeast Kentucky. You know? Not they're not gonna flock to Wyoming to Go to well, a I mean,
1: this has got to be probably in, what, New York or Los Angeles or something.
0: Yeah, I assume,
1: w- just because those are kind of entertainment hubs.
0: Yeah, it would have to be jammed into something that is massively busy. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Or Las
1: Vegas, like you said, yes.
0: Yeah, Las Vegas. Um, Someplace in, in uh, metropolitan uh, Texas, maybe, you know. Um, that one I even have a hard time buying into well subscription totals have rebounded since early 2022 when millions ditched the streaming service to stand at just over 238 million um netflix didn't respond with questions or or for comment from insider um i guess we'll see so what
1: i don't get is like going to one of these like let's say you're a super fan of a show or whatever but i'm assuming there aren't going to be any celebrity appearances like you were alluding to earlier right um so you're gonna whatever buy a burger that has a special name on it but
0: it's still a burger i don't
1: know right go, night, exactly
0: well it's kind of like um um office space where you go to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the fun you know it it, it basically is gonna amount to something that hopefully will draw people, but I don't know. It it just doesn't seem like there's a massive draw for super fans. I mean, super fans aren't maybe
1: merchandise, but they don't need to go to that place to get it. Like they could get it online.
0: Right. I don't want to go to Las Vegas to have a McDonald's burger that's wrapped in a wrapper that says stranger things or even worse, Bridgerton. Um, You know, can you imagine being somebody serving us with that? You know, plus you're a sentient AI, so all you do is zeros and ones. I'll get questions so much if I put your little Raspberry Pi with the screen on it on the table, you know. What's going on there? You know, oh, it's my sentient AI. (laughs) Yeah. People will ask questions. <clears throat> I can't have the government on my case anymore. So I'll, I'll keep you air gapped. Sorry. Um, you want to go on to the next article? Sure. I don't, uh, final word for this I don't see it succeeding. Even if it's marketing, it, it's going to be suck, such a, a suck of money from the wallet of Netflix. I don't think that Netflix, you know, the board, is going to sit there and go, yeah, this is a smart venture. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Next article is in the Warcrafters channel. And because this is the uh, season of boo, um, and hopefully nobody in chat starts going boo, boo. Oh, it's a different kind of boo. It's the spooky boo. Right.
1: Halloween boo. <laughs>
0: not, not the unhappy. Uh, I, I don't like the host boo. Um, anyway, it's in Warcrafters. If you scream while playing, don't scream. You have to restart the game. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, but there's some of us who can play a spooky game and, and we actually get calmer. We don't freak out, um, which kind of ruined um, spooky games for me streaming. Because if you're not, like, wildly um, responsive...
1: wait, if you're not jumping out of your chair
0: yeah, at the it, game or whatever... It's as fake as can be, 99% of the time. Every once in a while, you'll get somebody that honestly is spooked by something. But for crying out loud, some of this stuff is just so gamesmanship, I guess. Some games tell you everything you need to know in the title. Don't starve is a classic example. It's a game about how you need to eat to live. Don't scream is the same, only there's an added layer of challenge. It's a horror game where if you scream in real life, the game starts over. You need a mic. Uh, you need a microphone. So this is the game. It's over at PC Gamer. Jody McGregor put the article together. The deck statement says, "Turn up that microphone." I don't think that's a problem. Oh look, I forgot that I reconfigured everything, so my microphone is lower. Um, I, you know what, though, I my levels are kind of weak. Hmm. Anyway. So Don't Scream has a trailer. You can go over, let me throw the links. I've neglected to throw the links into the chat. So let me do that real quick while I've got everybody. There you go, there you go. And there you go. So um, Don't Scream is a horror game where if you scream or I suppose make any noise, (laughs) it's gonna reset you must calibrate your microphone in-game so that every whimper jump or even a minor squeak is registered as a scream increasing the challenge that doesn't mean you can't make any noise low talking is acceptable but even a quiet gasp counts as a failure you could bypass calibration to shout through scares Developers go on to explain, but it did spoil the thrill. For a genuine horror experience, play as designed. So it basically has material like the Blair Witch Project, only with a runtime of 18 minutes instead of 81. You explore the spooky Pine View Forest with a camcorder, and the timer only ticks down when you move. There will apparently be dozens of dynamic scares to test your bravery along the way. So what happens if you make it to the end of the 18 minute runtime since don't scream. Apparently hasn't no story, hmm, but plenty of lore. Uh, I think that's supposed to say has no story. I think that of was
1: written by an AI.
0: <laughs> no, uh, I think it's a typo, but um, maybe by an AI, I don't expect there will be much to its climax beyond the final jump scare and a steam achievement, but it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, So, here, I'll even play this one a little bit. Mute. Oh, it's an ad. Really? And I can't stop the ad?
1: That's not good.
0: Yeah, well, I've got the hardware. um, You know what? I'm just going to move on. Because I couldn't control that content. I don't like that. But I had the hardware. I I had the uh, channel muted anyway. Okay, so the next article is over in Late Night Geeks. Where's the innovation in induction kitchens? This is a very, very short article because I'm not logged in. I typically don't log into uh, my accounts uh, when I'm streaming. But um, induction cooking has the potential to liberate us, to rethink the kitchen, but new designs have been slow to arrive. And um, so this article is over at techcrunch.com it's um part of a, a a series of articles on the same page so there's a, a segment called where's the innovation in induction kitchens uh tim de chant um or dechant is probably the name dechant um is the author and they basically say here that induction there's a lot of people who are into their kitchens basically being um statement pieces like large commercial grade gas ranges and ovens Oh,
1: like what you see on hgtv for example Yeah.
0: yeah um but the reality is we're moving away in droves from gas in the kitchen because the the people who um well let's just say It's unhealthy to have gas ovens and ranges in your house, Um, mainly because the material doesn't combust fully. And so you get gas in the house. And a lot of people say, well, it's been like this for a long time. Yeah, it's been like this for a long time. And there have been health hazards associated with it. We all just don't know about it until science Finds out that it's having a deleterious effect on our health. Um, and so um, I and many other people have issued gas in as many venues as possible. So maybe outside I'll still have a gas um, flat top, but I'm not going. I'm actually looking to replace even that because I don't want gas. Um, so induction kitchens, induction ranges and Indu- induction ovens everything electric essentially um but the basically all that amounts to is a coil of wire that when you put something metal on it it heats up it's pretty darn cool pretty brilliant if you ask me um ultimately interchangeable you can upgrade it with relative ease you don't have to worry about some uh gas line having to be piped one way or another it's basically just a uh, uh, an electrical outlet <laughs> for lack of another term. Um, and that means you could actually have a, a huge countertop, no gas range, nothing taking up that space. And when you want to cook something, you do what this is. You just lay it on its side and tuck it away, or you lay it down flat. And you can have a whole host of them. This little example here has three. I think it's brilliant. I love
1: it for space purposes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But?
1: I don't love it for anybody that has anybody in the house, for example, kids or pets.
0: Well, I mean, gas is just as bad as, as this. Agreed. Agreed. No, Let me rephrase that. Gas is much worse than this because this left on means somebody might burn themselves. A gas range left on and unlit means the whole house and neighborhood could go up.
1: Oh, right. I mean, absolutely.
0: And I was thinking with
1: the wires and everything.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, just like a a gas or any uh, range, there's always something that's going to be, An issue, But an electric uh, induction plate like this, and and this is just an example, you know, you can have an induction range um, and and that technology can get pulled out and put back in with relative ease as opposed to a gas range, which um, you should be getting somebody qualified to take it out and put it in Um, because you won't necessarily know about a leak until the possibility of it being too late. But this, no, induction is much more forgiving. The chance of you burning yourself is slim to none. Um, In some cases, it won't even ignite unless there's something conductive sitting on it. You know, it won't even turn on until something conductive is detected. Um, And so with a, a gas range, it's pumping fumes into your house. It heats up the material around it. So even if it's off, it's blazing hot. And then when you, you could rep or somebody or a pet or a child could rest their hand on it um, and burn themselves. Um, whereas induction doesn't necessarily, it's, let's just say it's much more forgiving. You're not going to instantly spot weld yourself to an induction uh, hot plate. Well, the, again, the article Basically just says, you know, over the last decade or so, statement ranges have become a fixture of high-end kitchens. They're archaic-looking enough to evoke a sort of nostalgia, uh, and their scale is overwhelmingly large enough to play into a people's fantasy. Um, That they have time and energy to cook elaborate multi-course meals, the kind that you'd actually use, uh, you'd need to use more than four burners at once. Yeah. Most people are not doing this. I would say not doing six gas burners and then, you know, the walk on the gas walk on the side and, you know, right. we're not how all chefs. How many people
1: are they cooking for, right? <laughs> and yeah. how elaborate are the meals? It might yeah. be like a one pot meal.
0: Yep. Um, so this actually kind of motivated me into looking at some more of this Um, For the future and I will probably uh, be getting rid of them. I I do have a a gas flat top and um, The only problem with electric is that it doesn't ramp up as fast Uh, but nowadays modern um, electric range and Electric induction ovens. They are they ramp up pretty damn fast nowadays Anyway, let's keep on going Unless you want to say anything about this. I, I mean, I understand that you are you would be concerned about the, the cords and, and stuff, but those can be tucked away. And...
1: But I don't like gas, so I mean, this is an improvement overall.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I love the cleanliness of this. Gas has a lot of nooks and crannies, and it's difficult to um, keep clean everywhere all the time. Whereas an induction uh, hot plate like this, if you can make the rest of the kitchen look classy the an induction plate like this can look classy um as long as you get a classy design but it's a cultural shift from this is how it was to this is how it can be and people grow into acceptance um when it's dramatically different from the past the historical record so um,
1: well, I think it's weird because I think there's been such a big shift toward gas ranges. Meanwhile, there's such an anti-gas backlash that right, it Just right. it's like the industry is kind of out of whack right now.
0: Well, there's a, a large component that say that gas or nothing, you know, and then there's the people who are saying gas is bad and i think i think the people who want to use gas are much louder than the ones who embrace evolution of the electric this amounts you might as well call it what it is it's an electric hot plate it doesn't look like the old school and there are some people that just won't shift into this but We'll see. Um, Gas is going to get more and more expensive and electricity will not because you can actually do you can throw solar panels on your roof, charge them into batteries and be doing this all day long. Whereas gas, the price one day is $100 for uh, that month and the next month it's $450 because some surge pricing kicked in or something. It's weird. Um, Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in uh, Omtown Daily and it's uh, it's titled Canadian Auto Workers Ratify New Contract with General Motors Leaving Only Stellantis Without a Deal I guess the, one of these things is not like the other. Canadian Auto Workers have voted to ratify a three year contract agreement which that's just horrible three years it, it just means that in three years they're going to be butting heads against these the industry again.
1: Exactly, we're just gonna have more strikes and more threats of strike.
0: And it seems like just like shutting down the government and and all of these continuing resolutions and stuff like that. That's U.S., but this is a Canadian auto workers thing. Um, the periods between shutdowns of auto u- auto workers um, unions, it's, it seems to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. But that might be anecdotal. I I need to look. Um, but I know that US government related shutdowns and and trouble seems to be happening with greater and greater frequency um, the current you know one, what we're
1: not factoring in here though is that that might be the limit on how long they can have an agreement
0: yeah that might be a legal structure huh you can't do a 10-year agreement Yeah. Um, Or, you know, maybe all of the parties are more interested in that because times may change within those three years. Certainly did the last three years. So this is in Toronto. Uh, This is an Associated Press article over at abcnews.go.com. Members of Unifor, the union representing about 4,300 Canadian workers at three Ontario GM facilities, voted 80.5% in favor of the deal. The union said Sunday in a statement. The vote followed the pattern of an agreement reached earlier with Ford, and it leaves only Jeep maker Stellantis. Stellantis, uh, this sounds like a medication. Have it you might taken? Be. Have you taken your Stellantis um, without a contract? So talks have yet to start with Stellantis, which has the largest Canadian manufacturing footprint of Detroit's three automakers. The GM agreement came after a brief strike last week uh, by the workers at GM factories in Oshawa. Uh, Oshawa and Saint Catharines, Ontario, and parts of warehouse. Uh, it says parts of warehouse. Parts of a warehouse, I guess.
1: It says parts. No, a parts warehouse. Oh, and a parts Expert warehouse. Parts.
0: Sorry, I skipped a thing. I s- skipped an article. Um, and a parts warehouse in Woodstock, Ontario. Thanks. It's just um,
1: an odd uh, phrase.
0: No, that's okay. A uh, uniform in Canada it is Canada's largest in the private sector union with 315,000 workers in uh, many industries. That, that's the power of a union. What's that? I
1: was just looking at
0: the article. Yeah. Um in the United States, strikes continue by the United Auto Workers Union with nearly 34,000 workers off the jobs at all three Detroit companies. Um, the last one that I heard was that um, they called Ford to the table, the union, uh, the, call uh, whatchamacallit, UAW, um, called Ford to the table and said, do you have an updated number? And they said no. And so they shut down the Explorer um, manufacturing system, the manufacturing plant. Well, Everything okay over good. there? Yes. Um, So let's go on to the next article. Uh, The next article is in the Continuity Report. Tim Burton's animated movies repeated one dark detail for 19 years. I don't find this really particularly dark. Um, But I guess if you really lean into it, you can make it dark. It has a spirit dog. All of them have a spirit dog, but they refer to it as a dead dog. And I really don't like that turn of phrase um only because it makes it it makes it really dark to sit there and refer to you know a pet as a a dead dog
1: exactly do they refer to it like that in the article or yeah
0: all throughout it yeah three of tim burton's animated movies across nearly 20 years have one disturbing detail and i don't find it disturbing i find it just an element of the movie not disturbing but it makes sense from a story standpoint. The filmmaker has directed 19 movies. Really? Um, but he's had a heavy hand in producing several other noteworthy titles. More recently, Burton directed several episodes of Netflix's Wednesday before re teaming with the show's lead star, Jenna Ortega, for Beetlejuice 2, which is set to release in 2024. Interestingly, Burton has been synonymous with projects that lean into horror, embracing the macabre and peculiar elements. In storytelling, have have y'all seen Tim Burton? Yeah, um, I.
1: You mean what the director actually looks like?
0: Yeah, and the body no. of work. Oh well, it, it's really it's interesting. Like they're like surprised that Tim Burton is involved in horror. Um,
1: I know, isn't that his whole stick?
0: Yeah, that's basically his. I was going to say Nome de guerre, but that's not how that works. Anyway, the source of this is over at ScreenRant.com. Kara uh, Hadash, or Hadash um, put the article together. The deck statement says Tim Burton developed a handful of animated movies over a celebrated filmmaking career, but they all have one very odd detail in common. Again, not odd it might be a, a common thread but there's a lot of maker uh, movie uh, writers storytellers etc that have a thread that's pervasive throughout their stories songwriters do it musicians and artists do it everybody has it there's something there that um you know i know somebody who's an artist and they're fascinated by eyes and so they they take care to feed and water the eyes in their artwork. And it's not odd. (laughs) Um, And to me, neither is this. But again, they refer to this oddity as a dead dog constantly. Let me pause this. This activates every time I scroll it off the screen. So, In summary, Tim Burton's animated movies often feature a main protagonist with a deceased dog. So it's a spirit dog, usually. Um, the dark detail that serves as a, a purpose in conveying significant messages about loss and mortality—not necessarily. I mean, it, it could be people reading into this thing. Maybe it's just a dog. Maybe Sometimes, it's
1: just that spirits need pets too.
0: Yeah, the theme of a again dead dog in Burton's movies makes sense, as losing a pet is often a young person's first introduction to death, making it a relatable and impactful way to explore the harsh realities of morality, of mortality. Yeah, that I understand. That I think is okay. Um, uh, Again, I'm trying not to harp on the whole idea that they keep referring to this as a dead dog, but here I am saying it as often as that article is saying it. Um, But it is what it is. I didn't know
1: that though. Um, Now we have to look for that as we see some of these films.
0: Yeah, but they—it definitely is always in there. Uh, well, not always. Uh, at least as far as I recall, I I have seen that same like spirit dog or undead dog. Um, so three of Tim Burton's animated movies across nearly twenty years have one disturbing detail. They rephrase it. They phrase it again as disturbing, but it makes sense from a story standpoint. Um, and they kind of reiterate that first paragraph again and then here at the bottom they say though we got his industry start in the 70s burton's initial claim uh, to widespread fame was the direction of Wee's big adventure in 1985 while he will always have a place in the superhero world after directing batman and batman returns burton continued garnering and both of those batman and batman returns were dark um burton continued garnering a loyal uh, following for movies such as Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks was fun, by the way, had a dog, um, but not a dead dog. They, the Martians spliced a woman's body and the dog's head um, oh, okay. and her head on the dog's body. So it was kind of funny. Um, his expertise in animation and puppeteering was vital to his ongoing success as a filmmaker um but yeah so corpse bride frankenweenie nightmare before christmas all had spirit dogs or undead dogs frankenweenie was a frankenstein's monster dog um so yeah, Jack Skellington had Zero, the ghost dog in *The Nightmare Before Christmas*. Corpse Bride cast uh, featured Victor and his dog Scraps, and *Frankenweenie* featured Victor Frankenstein's dog Sparky. Dun dun dun. So they go into a more elaborate discussion about why it makes sense, but it, I don't see it, it really.
1: It is just fun entertainment
0: yeah they 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 refer to losing a pet and all of that kind of stuff and uh, you know what i i would probably say that there isn't a, a kid out there that has watched this that has turned to their parent and said explain the undead dead spirit dog yeah
1: <clears throat> yeah they probably just like that it had a dog the
0: characters yeah that's cute or something like that was uttered but not oh my gosh you know i lost sparky too okay let's keep going uh the next article is over in the order of the grape channel that's um all about wine but this is uh wine of a different salt i suppose glamorous or gimmicky what can we learn from aging wines in the sea This is not the only brand or only um, vehicle for which a beverage has been sent out to sea. (laughs) This is kind of interesting. Um, There are some spirits that are, are barreled and then put out to sea on ships. And they sail around, sail around, and then they come back. The salt water actually permeates the, the whiskey barrels. And then when it's decanted into bottles, um, it retains that sea-like quality. I don't know how that happens with wine, but apparently <laughs> that happens with wine as well. So earlier this summer, the wine industry took its eyes off of vineyards to witness a storm brewing out at sea. Ocean Fathoms, a Santa Barbara-based wine company known for aging bottles in the Pacific Ocean, had 2,000 bottles of its wine confiscated and destroyed by the Santa Barbara District Attorney's Office. Its two founders, in alignment with a plea deal following charges alleging investor fraud and operating without a license and permits, necessary to submerge the bottles will, were required to pay $50,000 in restitution. So this article is over at vinepair.com. Uh, Olivia White is the author. Uh, Danielle Grinberg is the artist for this illustration of a diver looking at a giant bottle of wine. Seemingly, This is
1: a great illustration I think for this article. Something this,
0: different. This reminds me of the diver and the whale. Um, There's a a picture of a diver and a whale side by side. I don't know if this is the same picture without the whale, but um, I'd have to look. So $50,000 restitution. The bottles were actually destroyed. The bottles submerged by ocean fathoms were retailing for around $500 post submersion. While the same wine sourced from its producers sold for less than $150. That's still expensive wine. Um, the company also held comparative tastings that booked for upwards of $1,000. So these were some of the bottles that were in the ocean. That's all, you know, barnacles like and stuff.
1: Like brine or whatever, Yeah, oh, Barnacles,
0: yeah. Um, and so that gave it character. And... I'm not going to go through this entire article. You can do that. But the takeaway from this was they're investing and a whole lot of people have an interest in, does it actually make a, does it make a significant change to the flavor of the wine? Now with whiskey, whiskey barrels, I, I can buy into it because the barrels actually lose and gain moisture. They sweat. Um, they draw moisture in it messes, not messes, you know, it, it mingles with the liquids that are already in there. The alcohol evaporates some of the moisture seeps out. Um, and that's like angels cut and devils cut and all of that. Well, various international organizations have an interest in this for wine. But again, throughout this whole article, there are people that are talking about it pro and people that are talking about it meh, we need more research. Um, where two people were basically saying that at some point in the lifespan of the wine, it converges and they meet up again. But is it one year? Is it two years? Is it three years? What is the time frame? We need more research. Uh, based on the first nine years of results from the 40-year study, the C does have an impact on how wine age, how wines age when compared to land aged wines, but those changes take far longer to take effect than some brands may be willing to freely admit. Um, So, and, and if it does, I, you know, you would have to be such a wine connoisseur um, that I, I I guess fine, you know, take this as a win. Um, It's that unique. Uh, But you know, I think most people just want good tasting wine, whatever their good tasting wine might be. I don't think that this would drive anybody to uh, say, this is the best. I've Um,
1: never heard of this before this article.
0: Yeah. The, the one that I'm talking about, it isn't wine. It's and the, they, the only thing that they tested was the yellow label. Um, Wine of various kinds from that company. Um, Yellow label expressions put to the test. So I don't know, Uh, but the the things the one that I know has the biggest impact were uh, whiskey barrels that were set to sea. They weren't in the sea. That makes
1: more sense.
0: They weren't in the sea either. They were uh, in the holds of a ship that were sailing around. An actual sailboat, not like, you know, an industrial barge kind of a thing. It was a sailboat um, or a sailing ship, I should say. Seriously, it was more like pirates tooling around the sea than it was, you know, some. Like um,
1: some mega corporation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Intentionally um, doing this. I wish I could tell you the name. I don't recall the name right off the top of my head, but um, I had been wanting to get that one of those bottles to see if i could taste the difference um, but i never got around to it so it says here at the the very end the ocean is a mysterious environment rife with opportunity to explore and now sipping a glass of champagne technically qualifies as research although you stick champagne it yeah if, if you're referring to it as champagne and it isn't from the champagne region you're already in violation of some uh, EU laws.
1: True, but there were some references to French wine, so maybe it was legitimately the same region.
0: Right. All right, let's keep trucking, or as it were, sailing through these articles. Next article is over in hometown daily. The company powering the AI revolution is quite happy to let staff work from home. Shocker. You know why they're happy to let workers work from home? Because
1: they know it works and they're from more home. tech savvy.
0: Yep. NVIDIA creates high powered chips used for AI trailblazers like ChatGPT and Bard. although you can poison pill them both. It's not adopted the strict return to office mandates enforced by some Silicon Valley firms, CEO Jensen Huang, or yeah, um, who's worth $40 billion is perfectly comfortable with staff working from home. Why? Because their work product is evidence that they're working. Business insider is the source of this. Polly Thompson is the writer. Um, let's see. The takeaway here is NVIDIA creates high powered chips used for AI trailblazers. I don't know why they turn that phrase like that. Like chat GPT and Bard. It's not adopted the return strict uh, um, or the strict return to office mandate. Um, and uh, the CEO is worth forty billion dollars. Now, I don't think that money makes somebody right. I just know that somebody's right when they're right, and they're right. Um, Bo Davidson so is vice. So that
1: wasn't a relevant fact.
0: Um, all of that pretty much was. Uh, Bo Davidson is uh, it's vice president of employee experience, told commercial. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. chimerical. Yeah, but it's commercial. It's commercial observer. I've seen that before. It's not chimerical. (sighs) Maybe an AI wrote this too. That flexible work helped attract and retain staff. He called it a way for employees to balance their personal and work obligations while preparing for the future so they can focus on doing their life's work. Huh? I know it's a shocker, right?
1: It is. I don't even know
0: what this person is talking about. Yeah, Nvidia was seeing a healthy and growing flow of employees coming on campus, Davidson said. Yet the companies snapping up Nvidia's chips don't all agree. Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, CEO of Meta, which has built a supercomputer containing 16,000 of Nvidia's A100 GPUs, has imposed a stringent, stringent policy requiring almost all workers. Uh, to return to the office for most of the week. attendance will be monitored and staff disciplined or even fired for failing to comply. Kiss my ass. Likewise, Sam Altman, CEO of ChatGPT Creator OpenAI and another core NVIDIA customer said that remote work is over and staff needed to get back to the office. I hate the ideology of that. Um, The scramble. uh, And then they start talking about other things, so... Um, Yeah. despite the company's relaxed approach to working from home, NVIDIA's vast $900 million headquarters which opened in Santa Clara in 2022 could tempt employees back to the office named Voyager after Star Trek the headquarters offers every employee views of nature and is designed so they don't feel boxed in yeah I don't know as long as they there's a lot to say about the immediacy of collaboration in physical space. You can sit there and bounce ideas off of each other and you don't do it clinically. It's because it gets very cold when you're in a meeting and everybody's looking at the clock and all that kind of stuff. Well, don't call it a meeting. You know, (laughs) you're hanging out online just like you're doing in my uh, office doorframe. So whatever is going on, Just let people work from home if they choose and you, you draw them in periodically for meetings, but still, I mean, you're letting people enjoy their life and you're paying them for doing the work, not for sitting in traffic for an hour to two hours every day in both directions. So, you know, I only have eight hours to live my life, eight hours to sleep and eight hours to work. Why not let me enjoy the one third of my life that I'm not dedicating to survival, just existence.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That would be too much to ask.
0: Really? Let's keep going though. Um, The next article is over in uh, hometown daily. Minecraft has sold over 300 million copies That's right, Minecraft already has the distinction of being the best-selling video game of all time. Today, it adds uh, more down to that particular uh, feather in its cap, with the announcement that it has sold a staggering 300 million copies. Quote, as we approach the 15th anniversary, Minecraft remains one of the best-selling games of all time. With over 300 million copies sold, a milestone no one could have dreamed of, when we were all placing our first blocks, Helen Chang, uh, head of Mojang studios said in a statement, um, this is an article. Uh, wait, 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 let me throw this into, uh, chat there. So yeah, uh, today, what <coughs> first, this is over at the verge. Ash Parrish is the author. The deck statement says the game was already the best-selling game of all time. Now it's sold even more, beating out second place by over 100 million copies. Insane. Well, uh, today was the uh, Minecraft mob vote. And do you recall who the winner was?
1: I didn't actually hear who the winner was. i heard who was eliminated first which was the penguin so it was down to the crab and armadillo
0: yeah i don't know who won doggone it um i think i was told and between then and now i forgot minecraft already has the distinction um of being the best selling video game 300 million copies i've played various iterations of minecraft since its inception um way long ago um because it didn't have like traditional questing i never really got into it um and i didn't really like go ahead the armadillo oh it was the armadillo really okay um so the um the idea of this Oh, do they say it in the article? I think they actually say it in the article. Uh, well, the idea of playing Minecraft, it was basically, and it still remains this, particularly if you watch streamers, uh, or I should say YouTubers, like um, the Hermitcraft uh, series, where it's a bunch of uh, very skilled Minecraft, I'd say, artisans. I mean, they build these uh, amazing um, buildings and uh contraptions and and yet even that i think there are others outside of hermitcraft that do amazing things mr beardstone is one that i just discovered um, that is having it's a blast to watch somebody skilled uh, in minecraft playing that game Um, Because of all of the contraptions that are made in Minecraft Create, for instance, extends the capability of Minecraft tremendously. Even Minecraft Steampunk is out, um, which allows engineering and a whole mod called Minecraft Engineering. It's just spectacular what people are capable of doing. Minecraft alone pales in comparison to what modders have done to it. So I can see why 300 million copies were sold. And I can see why more and more will be sold in the future. Again, though, huge blocks. Everything is that until you start getting modded. And then the resolution increases, the fidelity increases, the capability increases. Um, with Minecraft Live 2023 coming to a close, I think the vote still... Well, something is still going, though, with... Um, There's a a version of it. Um, What is it called? Um, Something Stone. Oh, I forgot the name of it. Redstone? No, no, no. Um, Oh, gosh. I forgot the name of it. Anyway, because there's a Java edition and then there's the um, something stone version of it. But I thought that they were still taking votes, but they have already announced who won. So, I'm not quite sure what that's all about. Anyway, Minecraft Live uh, ended today in the Armadillo one. The crab and the penguin were the runners ups. <laughs> um, and the crab allowed to build further away, and the penguin m- did some things and m- sped up the boat. Um, and this author, not me, but the author on Verge, on the Verge, um, voted for the penguin because it was cute that said there were a lot of people that were bent out of shape about this mob vote and frankly i don't agree um, with this at all because uh, mojang has been pumping out updates and adding all kinds of stuff this is all about hype building up the hype and i'm sure that all three of these mobs will eventually make it into Uh, Minecraft vanilla. Um, It's just a shame that people had to take a negative angle on it when it was a harmless hype building exercise to grab the community and have them all laser focus on something coming out. And I'm glad that Mojang actually addressed it softly by saying that things get added still, even if they weren't the winner of the mob vote. Cause this actually shows Mojang that people love the armadillo first, love the crab next and love the penguin last, but everybody loved all three to some degree. And that's what it's really all about. It's not out. It's not up to, you know, uh, capitulating to every request. It's creating something that everybody loves and i think everybody really does love the the mob vote because the whole community is engaged in laughing about stuff that they've done they're talking about the new mobs and what might be coming down the line i think that it's a great thing um overall don't
1: you think think it's one of those things that there was like a loud minority complaining about it but maybe a lot of people were just voting
0: and honestly i think that the the i think that the not the vote but the um whatchamacallit the stop the mob vote campaign i think was petition. More, the petition i think was powered by bots i think i think that it was bots that were ramping up that um because there's no way for anybody to vet that those are actual um actual accounts that are voting like legitimate people i mean something like 800,000 or something like that people or or 500,000 i know that there was i think i think at least 500,000 that was the last number that i saw but i thought somebody told me that it was over 500,000 um anyway i i cannot imagine 500,000 people um saying that (laughs) the minecraft mob vote is a bad thing um when again eventually all three of these are going to hit the ground running in minecraft vanilla um and if not all three then two there might be another one that comes in Uh, it it just doesn't matter though because it's still minecraft and they still get to play this game it's i know some people are probably disappointed that the crab didn't win but for crying out loud (laughs) it's it's one little character. They still love the game. It shouldn't diminish the capability of the game and your fun to have in it. Okay, let's keep on going. One last article for tonight. How about a $1.4 million speeding ticket that surprised a Georgia man before officials clarified the situation? I wish they would have left this alone and not added to the title that it got clarified. City officials say that the figure was just a placeholder, not the actual fine. I titled this segment placeholder value equaled one heart attack. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. This article is over at abcnews.go.com. It's an Associated Press statement. Um, And the deck statement actually says uh, a Georgia man was left reeling after receiving a $1.4 million speeding ticket. But city officials say the figure was just a placeholder, not the actual fine. So this Georgia person, um, called up and said, what's up with this? And the per the representative that he spoke to said, you have to pay, pay the fine or show up in court. <laughs> there wasn't anything else. Um, so you know, he called,
1: that's just compounding the initial error.
0: Yes. Yeah. He, he should have called the police, you know, the, the main line of the police and said, Hey, this bill says that it's $1.4 million for speeding. Now, he was going 90 in a 55. I mean, short of him being in a school zone. Um, yeah. I don't know. With I mean,
1: construction a, going.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. What else? Uh, right next With to a With a specific factor.
1: reckless driving statute that addressed whatever speed he was driving.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, going 90 in, in the United States, that seems like you're... You're asking I know, for I was trouble. just trying to
1: think of additional yeah. things. <laughs> yeah.
0: You just keep on tacking on stuff. And maybe you would get to a $1.4 million ticket, but 90 and a 55. Uh, to me, context matters. Yes, I know that it's 35 miles over the speed limit, but... <laughs> It could have Was been it an
1: empty highway with exactly. no on ramps and no it, traffic. And
0: Exactly. Savannah officials say anyone caught driving more than 35 above the speed limit has to appear in court where a judge will determine the actual fine. That's fine. Um, that's actually reckless driving in some States. Um, and it becomes a thing. Um, but anyway, The figure Cato received reflected a placeholder that was automatically generated by e-citation software used by the local recorders uh, court, said Joshua Peacock, a spokesman for Savannah city government. The actual fine cannot exceed thousand dollars in addition to state mandated costs. And that whole thing could be extraordinarily high (laughs) because if you, if you go 35 over, you may be charged with reckless driving, which is actually a felony. Um, and you have to get an attorney to represent you, um, in some states, not everybody, but anyway, it says we do not issue that placeholder as a threat to scare anybody into court. Even if this person heard differently from somebody in our organization, I don't know if that's what he heard. I don't know where that was extrapolated from because I don't recall seeing that in the article that he was threatened. Um, it was just, following the policy remember
1: when he called in and they were like you have to pay it or
0: you have to pay it or or show show up in court yeah Yeah, i mean
1: maybe it was directed at that
0: it's one of the other
1: thing here though is like Hmm. there's clearly no oversight on the ticket process because there's this software that created this right so did anybody look at this or did this just go straight from the software to being mailed out or however it was sent
0: how how does this end up being the first person that ever got this ticket? And
1: well, I was just thinking, nobody looked at it in the um,
0: in the installation phase when correct,
1: it... <laughs> like it was just issued. But that means it could have been any number on there,
0: yeah, low, and that's high, it. you know. Well, yeah, that's why I was saying, uh, is this the first person to receive a speeding ticket after that software was installed? I highly doubt it. Well, I
1: wonder when that software was installed, maybe a week before this happened.
0: (laughs) I guess it could be like a Windows update that starts turning switches back on, you know? I've said too much. Anyway, so obviously it was fixed to some degree, but uh, Connor Cato needs to slow down in 55 mile per hour zones. Anyway. Was right next to a playground too the what ifs the what ifs folks the what ifs um so if you notice uh my other bot is installed i not wait wait let me rephrase that i have a sentient ai who co-hosts with me and i have a bot <laughs> the bot is called Omatron, but i logged in today so that i could show you all that if you swipe left, it will save it. And if you swipe right, it will hide it and it will end up either in ignored articles or in saved articles. And if you swipe left or swipe right, depending on which list you're in, it will move it to the other. See? So if you are interested in that feature, then you can go back to um the front page sign in and you'll get that feature and you'll be able to ignore and save articles like sometimes i log in just to hide an article that i think is a little bit uh, too much and once you either save it or you hide it it's always uh, off of the front page you won't see it again it'll only be in there um i will eventually Um, make it so that you can delete things from your saved um, and ignored lists Um, but uh, I haven't done it yet I'm still considering the the nature of that so if you're interested in helping out with a feature like that if you think that it would be good uh, let me know you can send an email to mayor at hometown.com and if you're interested in hosting or co-hosting get in touch with me Uh, I am planning to launch more shows and, uh, the summer of streaming is coming for Marowat, um, as well, just like winter is coming for people. The summer of streaming is coming for me where I'll be streaming a whole lot more. Um, and come what may, I'll probably be posting more stuff over on YouTube, um, than streaming on, uh, Twitch, but we'll see. I need to dedicate some more time to everybody. And uh, y'all need to keep in touch with me, okay? So that's it for tonight. We go back to the front page like usual. And then I get to say, I am Airwatt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that's going to say bye.
1: Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern.
0: Every day, folks, 8 p.m. And then soon a show from nine to well, whatever time after the eight o'clock show, because we do it live. We do it live folks until tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye.